everybody and welcome to another episode of the I'm Getting There podcast. It's your host Michael Booth and I am safe. Uh, I haven't marked it on Facebook but I want everybody to know that uh, I'm not in a close area to the fires. Um, I'm closer to the river fire than the one up north but yeah it's pretty crazy. Uh, Last weekend I was talking about the bioluminescence and the lightning and everything and now this weekend it seems to be you know uh, this this terrible air quality all around and I'm glad today seemed to be the first kind of day, and it's Monday, it seemed to be the first day where the smoke was kind of clearing, but, you know, hopefully, it uh, looks like it's getting more contained, hopefully that, uh, you know, continues, and it's over soon. Uh, I have a guest with me today, um, he is a comic that I met in San Jose, and I've seen, you know, kind of since uh, the, the quarantine has kind of been, quote unquote, you know, ending unnecessarily, not ending, but kind of transitioning. I've been seeing uh, this guy do a lot of outdoor shows, and he's been kind of uh, uh, one of the guys, you know, I've been seeing kind of pop up at these different outdoor shows and kind of getting back into doing comedy live, and it's really cool to see. Um, it is Zach Lord. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, dude, thanks for being here. Um, are you, uh, where are you, how how close are you to, to any of the, any of these wildfires? Are you, are you in an area that's... So I'm in SF. Um, So I mean, like, you know, I I feel like nobody, uh, nobody we know is really far from one because there's like 87 wildfires. right Real. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, right now, like the only thing that's uh, really cumbersome is the smoke. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually, you know, last week I had a gig. uh, You uh, you know, BMO. Yeah, I had him on a couple episodes Um, ago. Um, He that's right. You were you were going to host, weren't you? Yeah, he was producing the show and I was going to host it. And, you know, because it has to be safe for COVID, it needs to be outside, mm-hmm. which is then not safe when the air quality index is at like 200. Yeah, if it's <laughs> so, not COVID, it's the bad so, air, dude. Fuck. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, one, no one can catch a break right mm-hmm. now. But um, but yeah, I mean, like that, that was a safe call because uh, like the day before the air quality was just garbage. And, you know, he just let us know, like, hey, it's probably going to get canceled. Um, and then Saturday, I, uh, I had a show with Kabir Singh, and I ended up not going to the show because I was feeling under the weather. Right now, if you're sick, unless you know for sure it's not COVID, you really can't responsibly see a bunch of strangers. Yeah, for show. sure. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, that was that was like two days ago. Uh, and I already feel much better. So I think that was just a function of the air quality. OK, like um, your your lungs so and stuff that, are probably just feeling a little. Yeah, I just had like a, I had a sore throat um, and, you know, breathing wasn't, uh, didn't feel quite as regular as usual. So better safe than sorry, man, for real. Uh, it sucks because he, uh, that show, looked it looked awesome. They had like a bunch of like white tablecloth, like tables. It looked like a really nice like dinner, okay. like comedy in front of just like 50 well, which, people paid for a nice dinner. It, which show is, it shows Kabir's not the uh, Kabir show's not the unicorn show, right? That's a different one, or that's the that's a new thing. No, that was so that was uh, that was uh, he Frosty's show. Do you know Frosty? No. Uh, does, does a lot of shows in like Oakland and the East Bay. So he um, he started that, but it sounds like there was uh, some disagreements with the the legality of having it um, 
where it was. Oh, okay. Uh, it was basically, uh, it was in like an alleyway behind his apartment building in Oakland. Uh, and he just set up a bunch of like chairs and a stage and whatnot. And it sounds like the, the city of Oakland uh, came in and said, hey, pal, that's uh, it's not okay. <laughs> that's not exactly sanctioned. Yeah. It looked like, yeah, it looked like um, there was an overpass but, in the pictures. And you guys are just kind of in, it looked like it was kind of in an alley. I was wondering where that was at. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's 100% uh, what it was. <laughs> It was, I mean, it was fun though. I, like, honestly, yeah, I feel like, you know, I've only been doing comedy. If you don't include the time in quarantine, it'd be like a little less than two years. Okay. Um, so, you know, still at the point in time where it's like any, any stage time I can get, um, I'm mm-hmm. doing it. Like, unless it's just with like a producer I hate or something like that, like any stage time I can get, I'm doing it. So if it's an alleyway in Oakland, um, I'm fucking yeah. No, I've <laughs> Especially seen, during quarantine. Hell yeah, dude! I've seen some. You know, there was a. I think there was some open mics. It looked like uh, there was like a, a park. They were doing some open mic stuff. Um, there was a couple different like it looked like a baseball field. I saw at one point they had something mm-hmm. going on. Um, it's been cool to see just like different areas up in the up in kind of SF, Oakland, San Jose. There's just like these different things popping up. You know, still trying to continue uh to do it like i've like i've seen the audiences at some of these two are pretty big like you look like you got some good crowd sizes in some of these shows that you're doing yeah so uh kabir has the weekly show um in danville which always he i mean i think the lowest amount of people uh, i've seen the fewest amount of people i've seen there is maybe 35 or 40 which is great um for a weekly show especially in danville like not a hugely populated city Mm -hmm. and uh, for the most part, the audience is like pretty into it. It's a good crowd. Um, I don't know. Like for for me though, like I haven't I haven't gone to any of the mics, and I'm not very far from the one at Lake Merritt. Um, I heard the one at the baseball field in Alameda is good. Um, for me, it's like you know, right now, like given given the COVID landscape, anytime you decide to go to a show or an open mic or really like participate in any social interaction you kind of have to make like a risk-based decision yeah, and that decision totally. is made on the margin on what like actual benefit you're getting mm-hmm. out of it. And I, don't, I just don't think that the benefit of an open mic is, is worth, um, worth the it risk. It makes sense. I mean, like I, I'm looking at it, like you go and you work something out, you know, if, unless you're going to every single one of those, like you work that mm-hmm. one, you work something out, you know, you don't know if you're going to be able to, when are you going to work on that again? You know what I mean? Like, when are you going right. to be able to see if this bit is actually good or not? It's like too far in, or yeah, too far away in between, you know, the, the, the frequency of doing anything. Like I went and did the, the Santa Cruz thing a couple of weeks ago and that was, that felt amazing. Cause it was like the first time I had the drive. Yeah. The drive-in show. Great yeah, show. seriously. And it was, it was so much fun. But then I'm driving home. I'm like, I wonder when I'm going to, you know, get to having a crowd like that again. Like I, I, I wrote some new stuff before I went and I tried it and I was like, Oh, I got some laughs like sick. And then, okay, I'm just going to sit on this and like, you know, like try these new jokes again a couple months later or, or cause yeah, like I imagine you're not doing, you know, you're not like, you're, are you experimenting, you know, like, cause you're hosting, right? So you're kind of getting some opportunity to do like some, some crowd work, some, some kind of uh, a little more free or freeing than like doing an actual set. Like how has that been with COVID? Like, so it, it depends on the show a little bit. Um, what, one reason I, why I was really looking forward to uh, being on BMO show is because it was a set where I was hosting, but I know, um, you know, the San Jose crowds have always done really well with, it's usually a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so like the shows that I've done at Danville, it's it's a it's an older crowd. Just comes with the territory of doing shows in the East Bay, and for those I want to do my reliable ones because you know it's a long show. They have a lot of people there, yeah. so I just don't think that that's an appropriate time to let new material fly. I I usually do one or maybe two new jokes in the middle once you've already kind of won people mm-hmm. over. Um, but I don't roll the dice on it too much at, uh, the unicorn show in Oakland, I was doing pretty much exclusively new material. Um, and at the drive-in show, I did all new material as well. Um, I mean, it's tough with the drive-in show because it's like, you know, it's, it's materially a different experience than being at a bar or a club. Um, they're in their cars. So like, I feel like people, there's uh there's more spontaneity and laughter than flashing your brights at somebody yeah um so like i had no idea which of my jokes were genuinely like make somebody laugh unless i could see them through the car like laugh at it like as a knee-jerk reaction Mm -hmm. or funny enough to humor a comedian and flash the brights. oh i got you you. like Like, that was good enough to get my lights you know like (laughs) right exactly like you know if like you can't really deny somebody's like instinct and laughter if you say something and then they immediately laugh at it you know they found it funny yeah. if it's like okay after i deliver the joke in two seconds they may or may not get brights there's some deliberation there and you don't know like what plays into that <laughs> versus like the genuine humor of what you said versus like all right this he seems <laughs> this guy seems like a pretty nice guy i don't want to make him feel bad and not flash my for brights, sure you know? yeah like, i'm also thinking about too being in your car you're kind of more removed from that environment of being in a crowd. So I think your, yep. you know, your, your comfortability is a little, you, you feel, yeah, you feel less like you're being watched, I guess. And so there's probably like you're saying the the one, like just the, the being nice to the nice comedian guy, instead of, you know, having the, giving him that reaction genuinely in a, in a room that makes total sense. Um, right. And with, um, it's just, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say with no, people, no, 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 with people go. distanced, um, like sitting at these tables and stuff, are you are you feeling any? Is it, it like are you feeling kind of that that similarity to being in the bar again, or do the, is it are they too far away from you to get that? Or because I with it's yeah it, it's I don't know it's like a little bit of both. Like it's nice. It's I mean like I'm sure that you felt the same thing. Like you know after even a few weeks of quarantine, let alone like multiple months. Mm-hmm you miss uh winning winning over like strangers uh at, at a show yeah. like that's i mean that that's probably what i enjoy the most out of it is making absolute strangers um laugh and winning them over where they think like oh i really enjoyed that guy like sharing his time with me that that's the reward that i get out of it so you know regardless of how spaced out the crowd is you can still get that feeling okay. um however it's it's a much uh, tougher like moving target um, because there's you know like how laughter is infectious where if you're sitting right next to three people and they laugh at a joke mm-hmm. that you don't find like hugely funny but funny enough you'll laugh with mm-hmm. them but if they're sitting like six feet away from you and they laugh at a joke and you don't find it that funny you're not laughing. you might start judging and that person it's kind instead. Of, <laughs> exactly yeah well it's just it's kind of funny because rather than everybody being part of one big big crowd, you just have a bunch of different groups kind of on their own island. Um, oh, gotcha. Which also, I, I don't know how many people do this, but I always try to like when I'm telling jokes, if it's like if it's old material, I'm kind of on autopilot. And what I'm really thinking about is like looking at the crowd and who's 
who's finding it funny, who's not finding it funny, who hates it, who loves it. And, um, you know, it's so much more obvious when the tables are spaced out. Like I was doing the show in Danville mm-hmm. um, and I was doing some, you know, some kind hearted, but nonetheless, like racially charged material. <laughs> and there was like a table of like young, like eight young people right in front of the stage. They loved it. And like, I'm looking at them. I'm like, okay, cool. I guess that joke did well. And then I look to the left and it's just like two old ass people at a table for two, just <laughs> looking very sour. Like they just didn't appreciate the the nature of that joke at all. Um, and like, weren't even like, sometimes people like hold it back. They're like, that upset me, but I'm at a comedy show and I don't want to make the comic feel mm-hmm. bad. They were like, I'm going to look at this oh, motherfucker no. so he knows how much I dislike <laughs> oh, that. Um, <laughs> Uh, and it, I mean, it was it was fine. Like I like you know. That's just funny. You're like, not. It, yeah, to, it's funny to think about. Yeah, you kind of. It almost seems like because normally that's intermingled. Everybody's in one thing, so you can barely notice that like disapproval. But to have it, that's funny to be able to just notice. There's two people just giving you like this, <laughs> this eye. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, and like you know, like I mean, you you remember uh, when I did your show in Salinas? Mm-hmm. Like I have a good amount of like dark material, like some 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 edgy stuff, yeah. and like all all coming from like a fun, uh, you know, place of just you know humor. Yeah. There's there's no like there's no maliciousness like behind the jokes at all. Uh, but nonetheless, people get offended. But the thing is, it's like those kind of jokes. Like people either love them or hate them, and if. 50% of a crowd with like good like seating density laughs really hard at a joke. It sounds mm-hmm. great. It sounds like the joke really hit. You really only need half the people to love your stuff and it and it's usually a successful set, yeah. which goes full circle to what we were talking about where if people sit close to one another, you win people over who otherwise wouldn't love your mm-hmm. material. Um, but then when it when it's spaced out, it's just like it's so clear uh, the discrepancy between the people who liked it and who didn't. Um, which kind of makes it more fun. Like I, um, I, I don't, I don't mind seeing people when I'm on stage just not like what I'm saying. Yeah, that's one thing I. As long that's as one thing I notice about you, man, is like I when I'm watching you in Salinas and and seeing your clips online, is you have this demeanor where you almost in, you almost enjoy it. I think when people kind of don't like what you're putting out there, it seems like you kind of get like some satisfaction from that in a way to where you you almost kind of uh, go at them even more. Like that's, I admire that in like Mm -hmm. comedians because uh, it's, I think that's hard to do. And I'm always nervous about doing material that I'm like, man, I think this is funny, but this might like that chance that you're taking. Like I, I, like I sometimes get like, I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. Like I, I, I'm just gonna, uh, I know this is not going to go well for everybody. Like some people might like it, but yeah, taking those chances is awesome. That's something I've seen, you know, consistently from you, like, uh, you know, at mics or at the show or even on online. Yeah, it's like you kind of you go at the audience with this, like, yeah, this look on your face. You're just like, yeah, I said that, dude. Like, yeah, well, it's funny, too, because like, um, you know, mean Dave once said it well, where it's like uh, I have like this, like very like joyous way of saying like really fucked up things <laughs> on stage. So it's like. It's like you can't get that mad at somebody being like offensive when they're when you can tell that there's zero like malicious intent yeah. and they're just saying it to have fun. And it's also it's like it's not like a, like I don't think I don't think I like personally the things that I have said that offended people, I don't think are very offensive, no. like personally. Uh, but that, you know, that that's. 
that's how people get offended. I don't think anybody says things with the intent of, of offending people. No, just yeah. things that they like. Dude, like if a, if a um, comedian went up there and was inten- intentionally saying those things, you would be able to tell and it would not go well at all. Like I, I think yeah. almost every time... You know, even as a even if you're at an open mic and you see a guy just I think he's his intent is he thinks that it's going to get everyone to laugh and it's going to be this mm-hmm. fun thing. And, yeah, like you said, like you get it's yeah, it seems like you get some joy out of that. And, yeah, it's really cool to to watch and also to be it kind of sets it kind of puts, you know, a perspective into I'm sure every you know, everybody else that can say can say the same thing. It puts a perspective in your head where you're like, oh, that's OK to do. You're like. Oh, okay, this is like like there's a new like line, I guess. Like there's a new like mm-hmm. okay, like you're like pushing the boundary almost. You're like you're like you know kind of trying to find that line, trying to find where like fighting where it's acceptable, where it's not. Just like kind of uh, always right there. That's really cool. And really, just like <clears throat> identifying like the departure between what I think is is an appropriate thing to say and what I guess the average. Person <laughs> yeah, totally. I, like, <laughs> like I have a I had a joke like. You know, it, it never it never did as well as I thought it should. So I, I pretty much entirely cut it. Um, I mean, I'll, if I have like a 25 minute set or like something long and I'm doing really well, I'll throw it in there just for fun. Mm-hmm. I think I did it at your show. It's, it's a joke about my like my dead grandpa. And like, you know, it's like a, it, it, the, the premise of the joke is like I took my grandpa's shopping. Like I had to go shopping for my grandfather this weekend, which was really tough. He wasn't able to join me. I had no idea which casket to buy him. Oh, nice. and, <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, just a fun joke. And like, I go I go in on that afterwards, but I just love people getting upset. They're just like, oh, like making fun of your dead grandpa. It's like you didn't fucking know him. Yeah. And he died at 95. Like, what? the Yeah. Fuck also, do it's you my care? grandpa uh, that I'm making fun of. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, someone came up to me after a show once and they're like, they're like, that's really insensitive. My grandfather died. It's like, bro everybody dies like yeah. i wasn't talking about your no for sure it's like yeah, I, I i understand what you're saying i i have a i have a joke kind of do about my dad who passed away and like i've had people say the same thing to me and i'm like that's my dad dude like <laughs> same mm-hmm. kind of the same you're just like you can't, i can't understand why they're telling me that they got upset it's like okay cool story like who cares <laughs> what's annoying is that when 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 people make fun of like their their family members or make a joke about their family member like passing away or something like that, people um, get upset about it um, because they assume that you had a bad relationship with that person mm-hmm. when usually that couldn't be further from the truth. Or it's like a way of coping um, with that. You know, it's a way of like being able mm-hmm. to talk about that without it being a serious matter, you know, making a joke. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah, it's. Like dark jokes to me are some of the funniest things ever because it's it's like it's so true and so it's it, it, it like like you're laughing but you're also kind of cringing like that's like those are my favorite kind of jokes like I was laughing really hard uh, when you were in Salinas and you were doing the crowd work on my, on my boss and you guys didn't know that it was my boss oh, yeah. <laughs> I was no dying was dude because I was like man. The- <laughs> I was just like knowing the guy, like, and then ha- like hearing what you guys were saying. You and John were saying to him, I was, oh, I was dying. We talk about it at work still to this day. It's so funny. It was such a crazy left turn too, because like, Gab went up there and he was like talking about like he's like asking him like, what's the craziest thing you've done sexually? Mm-hmm. And it's like they couldn't have found like more boring answers. He's like, what's the craziest thing you've done sexually? His wife is like, a nice day at the beach. He's like, that's not even yeah. sexual. That's just a. <laughs> A leisurely day, uh, like if you have to put on sunscreen, it's chances are it's not sexual. <laughs> um, and 
it was just like I just like I felt I, I felt bad when I heard he was your boss. I would not have gone in Dude, if I good. if I had known that. But I also like you know like when you follow Gab, like Gab does so much crowd work and he's such like a uh, he's so like in your face. It's like to follow him, like you, if you try to go into like your regular material, it's it's just probably not going to end mm-hmm. well. So the best thing to do is just lead off with crowd work, kind of like, you like know, pick up w- emulate what he did for a minute okay. or two and then transition that into what you're comfortable doing. Kind of like pick up um, where he left off. Which is what I did, but exactly. But it just goes to show you like how different like our mindset is for jokes because he's like asking them like, what's the craziest thing they've done sexually? And then like I see him get uncomfortable and then I go up there and I was just like, dude, like that, that didn't really go well for you. I think you're getting divorced tonight. It's like, Jesus Christ, that was dark. You did not need to take yeah. it there. To... Uh, He's still married, yes, right? still married. All right, cool. I feel, you're like, no, it actually fell apart that night. Um, yeah. <laughs> they didn't even make it through Came the Came to work on Monday. He's um, like, you know what, dude? I'm, uh, I'm getting a divorce, man. I don't know. Yeah, they didn't even get divorced. They got annulled and she kept the kids. Like, you're like, Zach was right, dude. Over. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a that was a good night. That, that was I think that was a, I think that was a one year anniversary in Salinas at that show. That was fun. That was a really fun. Malcolm show. Malcolm was there. Um, that was a good a good ass time. Yeah, that dude is funny as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, great a great hang too. Uh, we met up with him. He got there like an hour before the show, as did we. So we grabbed dinner next door. Hell yeah, um, that dude's like super chill. Yeah, dude. He uh, he came back. I think. Uh, no, that was the. I picked him up that morning, uh, that afternoon, like at like one or two, and we drove around Monterey, okay. and I just showed him all the, you know, kind of like Monterey Bay area and all around, and we like smoked a blunt, and I think he went and did something else, and then he met up with you. Yeah, he's a great hang, dude. I, it was so cool just chilling and and hanging out, talking about like the comedy store and all that kind of shit down there. Uh, it was definitely fun, and uh, like have. Uh, you know, have you like have you thought about with this whole situation right now with the pandemic and, and quarantine and and what standups doing? Have you thought about maybe trying to go somewhere else, like not San Francisco, or are you just uh, is that kind of like you're kind of like I don't care, like I'm just gonna stay or? Um, I don't know. I uh, I I love the city, so like the. I think that if I was in any city besides San Francisco, I would not have been as happy during quarantine. To be honest, like. I like I kind of have like I have some guilt for how enjoyable the quarantine has been for me because I know that it's just like COVID has like ruined so many lives like outside of like the 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 160 plus thousand people that have died in, in their loved ones like that aside um, like it's just you know it's it's hurt already impoverished families and mm-hmm. whatnot and then like I just feel bad as like an already like privileged white guy who already was dealt a phenomenal hand beforehand just like keeping my job, you know, not being far away from a park, which is safe to go to. Like a lot of my friends live in the area. Like, I I don't know, like COVID has been other than losing comedy. It's, it's been, you know, I feel bad saying it, but very enjoyable for me. Like I, I work from home now. Um, and my job hasn't gotten any more demanding. Things have slowed down a bit. Um, just because like our, our deal flow has slowed down with COVID, Mm -hmm. but um, but, but thankfully job security hasn't, hasn't been a function of that. So, you know, I work from home and I'm usually done by like, you know, four or four thirty, and nice. I walk to Dolores park and 
get some sun. Like, yeah, see, I feel like I, see you on your I feel Instagram. like if I'm tanner than I've ever been during COVID, it can't be that bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, if I'm getting so much sun that I'm like materially tanner than I've ever been, it really I can't complain. Nice. Um, yeah, I see on your IG you're at the park, uh, at the park quite a bit. It looks it looks great. Like it looks it looks beautiful up there. Um, yeah, uh, I've I've managed to also um, <clears throat> continue working during quarantine, and yeah, I kind of agree with what you're saying. It, it's it's a weird feeling to to know so many people that have been displaced by COVID and have and are just. It feels yeah. You feel like a, it's it's. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, I, I mean, I, I still have to go in to work. I was working uh, from home for the first couple of weeks, and then uh, mm. I started going in um, just because I wasn't able to exactly do everything from home. And it's been nice to see everybody taking it seriously and, and wearing masks and kind of keeping, like, I keep myself, you know, at a distance at work. And there's, even then, though, I still, like, I couldn't imagine having to work in a customer service job right now, like a Starbucks or something every day. Yep having to gear up basically uh, and just hope you don't get it. That's not like that amount of stress is like, yeah, it's, I don't wish it on anybody. And, you know, I feel so bad for the essential workers cause they were already like, you know, if you worked at Safeway, it's like the, at least in my opinion, you were already underpaid. Like most of the mm-hmm. working class Americans in my opinion are underpaid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you're already underpaid, underpaid and underappreciated. And then, like, your hours go up and you're, like, work to the bone with this, like, huge, potentially life-threatening, yeah, you know, disease mm-hmm. that you're disproportionately more likely to get because of your job. Um, and then, like, the fact that there's no, like, hazard pay to offset that is, like, Dude, it's really hard because, yeah. like, I feel like anybody who anybody who's an essential worker right now either has a heart of gold and is doing it because they know it needs to be done or their circumstances, you know, dictate them keeping their job. Mm -hmm. And then they literally, when it comes, when it comes down to it out of, you know, their financial precariousness, they have to risk their life to keep their shit job. And Mm -hmm. like, it just, it's very, it's very unfair that, that things work like that. That's why I say that, like, I feel guilty for how easy shit has been during COVID for me because there's so many people out there who have just been like so harshly affected. Mm-hmm. By yeah. I, I, I agree. It's been this. Yeah. It's been, a, oh, man, it's been like a weird, it's been a weird fucking six months. And especially, you know, the past couple of weeks with these fires, it's been, you know, I've been seeing, I saw a post that it kind of just like really made me feel like to my gut, just like terrible. It was, about uh you know the 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 employees that work in the fields um and salinas Mm -hmm. like the ag culture here is like huge and uh a post online it was like you know they asked you know field field hands field workers you know if you you know what kind of supplies they needed like because of just you know working out in the smoke and and they the number one thing they said was uh school supplies for their kids yeah they're like seriously i was like fuck dude like it, it like the person that perspective shift just made me like fucking like i got teary-eyed and was like whoa like uh yeah the people who are literally like allowing us to put food on mm-hmm. the table with it when it's just aren't getting paid enough money you can't even see across the field because of the smoke cool. right now and there's just people out there like they got masks on but i mean 
and I, I've been reading some statistics too that you know the the ag- the agriculture uh, like the workers in agriculture are some of the highest testing positive for COVID out of all employees, mm-hmm. and it's like. 25% or something of the cases are directly from people Jesus. working in ag in, in the area. And so it's like, it's just kind of alarming. It's really sad. What's so sad about that is that like, you know, like the new circumstances come about with like the pandemic and, you know, the, the, the hazardous air quality. And they ask them like, what's the most thing you need? And it's like, same thing I've always needed. Shit I can't Dude, afford for my 100%. kids. It's like, it's like, no, like, Two, two hugely rare and like unfortunate like things get tossed at them and it still doesn't even change their number one need which is just the resources to appropriately care for their mm-hmm. kid it's it's so fucked up yeah it was um, that was one of the most eye-opening things i've ever read i to be honest like it just what well, like it just sh- it just shifted you know my perspective entirely and i know i immediately went and looked at how i can help and started you know getting involved in this you know this weekend i'm gonna go and and i donated some stuff already but i'm gonna go again and just you know it, it just is like you know i encourage everybody to you know to try and in the monterey county area you know do what you can right now because so many people are being displaced all over the place with these fires it's crazy mm-hmm. and uh do you know of uh some good some good charities to to donate to i don't to know specifically then, um, any spe- okay. um i know that there's a couple Instagrams that you can go to uh, to find things. One in particular for the Salinas Monterey County would be I, f- I found good uh, stuff from Salinas Podcast, which is that's a guy that uh, my friend Oz he has some good posts, and also um, at Masa for the Rasa, another Salinas promoter. He's been you know sharing everything uh, you know in the area to be able to donate, um, and so go check those links out. Uh, you know, and go do something and do what you can. Cause it's just, yeah, like we talked, that's like you, what you just said, you know, two major things have happened Two major life altering things have happened. And then they're asking, you know, mm-hmm. it's the same problem still. And that's, that's just yeah. mind boggling. Um, and yeah, I, 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 uh, I wonder, you know, I wonder how much longer this, this is going to go for this. The quarantine is going to go for because other states, you know, I've noticed, uh, been talking to some other people and, you know, other states are kind of moving ahead and California still seems to be like, no, no, no. Like we're just, we got to stay inside and, and, uh, you know, you don't know. It's hard to even judge. It's hard to have an opinion right now, honestly, about COVID. I don't even know what to think because it's just, the problem is right now that like so many, like so many people just are on, one far end of the spectrum on either don't leave your house unless you have to or covid is bullshit let's party (laughs) and it's just very it's very frustrating to see like more than half of the people in the country well over more than half of the people in the country completely unwilling to explore the middle ground of making a decision on the margin on whether or not what you're about to do is worth risking covid Mm -hmm. um and that like that comes full circle to what i was talking about like for me open mics are not worth the risk but shows are um like ha- hanging out with five friends at the park wor- worth the risk it's outdoors it's yeah. safe going to an apartment party probably not worth the risk um i liked what uh but, i liked what xander said we i did a podcast with him and he said uh pick 10 mm-hmm. people kind of like a that phone plan back in the day sprint had you know like pick your mm-hmm. fucking 10 people yeah. right now 
and then that's it. <laughs> like, uh, that kind of, I was like, okay, it makes somewhat sense. You know, like, I have a couple friends that I'm okay seeing because I know that they're, they're quarantining as well, and they only see a certain number of people. I only see a certain number of people, so, you know, I feel comfortable, quote-unquote, doing that, but still, like, like you said, five people at the park seems fine, but... Like, yeah, I wouldn't go to a house party or a birthday thing or, like, a full-on barbecue right now not knowing where everybody else has been. That's the kind of thing. You don't know where everybody else has been. You don't know how many people they've been yep. around. And, yeah, that's a, it's a weird thing, man. Like, you know, and speaking of kind of staying distant and staying inside, like, have you been somebody that's kind of tra- – have you tried to do the Zoom thing at all? Have you tried to, you know, have you tried to run some Zoom show or try to get on one or – so I strongly considered running my own, um, but I did, I did a few uh, before I ultimately decided not to. Um, I understand why people do the Zoom shows, mm-hmm. and I get it. Um, it's just you know, like I, I, I think I've done four. Okay. And one of them was the Zoom open mic, so it just really wasn't very enjoyable because it was all comics and all, all really bad material for the most part from everybody um and then i did a few other zoom shows i did uh cynthia uh she's a south bay comic i did her zoom show that was fun um i did xander shoom's zoom show that was a lot of fun and you know like the 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 purpose for doing those is just testing out new material i my mindset was there's zero benefit to trying out jokes that I already know work on a zoom show. Um, yeah. <laughs> just cause the, you know, I, I feel like zoom shows, it's even more about, cause you know, when, when you do shows and you're a younger comic and you want to get better, the two main value adds are working your material and getting better as far as like your writing goes and then working on your stage presence and your energy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the stage presence and energy component of a zoom show is gone. Um, there's really nothing to learn from a Zoom show, in my opinion, uh, that's going to teach you how to be a better comic when you're actually on stage. So it's a good, it's a it's a good tool for when you have a bunch of new concepts for jokes and you want to riff on them and figure out which tags work and which gotcha. don't. I totally get that. And maybe as like I write more material, I'll, I'll want to hop on a few Zoom shows just to you know put a first filter to it before I use it on a show. Um, but overall, I just I don't know. I just I don't love doing it. Um, Makes sense. It just it doesn't it doesn't feel doesn't feel like it doesn't the re- feel real like, thing. like it, Yeah, it doesn't feel like the real thing. It also just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel organic. You know, um, it it just it doesn't. I don't understand why. <laughs> no offense to comics who are listening who who run a Zoom show or or people who have attended Zoom shows. I don't know why anybody would want to attend a Zoom show who wasn't a comic. Um, for like, real. unless they were like your homie, like that, if they're like your homie, that's like yeah. doing zoom and you're like, Oh man, I, I, I watched you do a show like during before pandemic, I'll jump on this zoom link right quick, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't know. Like I, I just, like I, my least favorite part about the zoom show. Um, and again, no disrespect to any comics who I've done a zoom show with, because I wouldn't be surprised if they felt the same way. Worst part about doing a zoom show as a comic is having to sit through everybody else's set. Real can't go outside can't go sit at the bar yeah Yeah, and and it's also like it's also awkward because like when you're at a show 
the only person who has their eye on you is occasionally the comic. Mm-hmm. When you're on a Zoom show as an, as an audience member, everyone can see your face at all times. So it's like when you're laughing, it's like, it, I don't know. It seems like there's this weird like undue pressure to laugh at everything on a Zoom show to be supportive. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem organic, doesn't seem natural. Um, like I said, for the, sole, for the sole utility of testing out new material and just like the substance of like the words you're saying, not the energy or, or delivery for the most part, totally get it but outside of that for me very little value makes sense not if only there was like some like an ai audience on you could just log in by yourself Mm -hmm. on zoom and just have like an ai comedy audience and just run your material by real quick and then be like okay thank you (laughs) if there was an ai machine that told you what was funny and what wasn't we'd be using that Uh, without (laughs) (laughs) you're right (laughs) that's for sure yeah i mean if there is if there is such a thing none of us would have to be so depressing though man No, that'd be a blessing. Dude, I honestly, I, uh, there's very few open mics I enjoy going to, um, especially because it's, it's a lot different in, in, in SF. In SF, most of the open mics, um, like 90%, if not more, of the audience are comics. Okay. So unless you're workshopping like literally brand new material, people have already heard it. You're not going to get laughs. And comics also, like, they're shitty audience members to begin with. Even if you did all new material that they've never heard, they're still not the ideal audience members to sound mm-hmm. um, like I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of jokes at SF open mics kill at uh, kill at open mics knowing like, yeah, would love to see you use that in a crowd of not comics. Comics a lot of times laugh at shit that's not that funny and then don't laugh at shit that's really funny. That makes total. <laughs> that's so fucking true. That makes total sense, dude. Fuck. Yeah. You'll... Yeah. That's why, like, I drive to South Bay for when, you know, when the world isn't, you know, uh, under the pressure of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I drive to South Bay for my open mics. My routine usually is uh, on Monday, I do four open mics, three of which are in the South Bay. Um, and then I'll do one or two open mics in SF through the rest of the week and then the rest of the shows. Nice. But, like, every week, most of the mics I do are in the South Bay yeah, because I, they actually have a real audience. I was driving to Santa Cruz, like, three times a week from where I'm at because... I mean, mm-hmm. I'm down in Marina by, by Monterey, and there was only one mic a week here, and it was mixed. So it was, like, musicians and slam poetry and stuff. So you kind of got, you know, to be fair, you kind of got a good audience because they weren't there for comedy. But it mm-hmm. was it was real hard to dig yourself out of a, uh, a slam poet, uh, you know, hole, like, or a musician hole where it's, like, a depressing, sad song, and then the host is like, who's ready for some comedy? And you're like man, they are really all in their feels right now. Like (laughs) I'm going to have to bring them back to the moment, you know, but that was, I think I got a lot more out of that than certain mics uh, because it was, yeah, like to your point, you know, there wasn't a bunch of comics. Um, And Santa Cruz also, I think had great audiences that was kind of a mix. You'd get the people in the bar. Santa Cruz is awesome. Yeah. There was actually like a kind of a, some people that I would catch, like I recognize them. They'd be at Rosie's, they'd be at Poet. Then they'd, I'd see them at the lab or I'd see them come to Harag show or something, or they'd be at a Tuesday thing. It was like, yeah, it was really cool to have like an actual crowd. And some people, um, you know, some, some people would stick around and actually like listen to your set. And that was like, that's much more valuable, I think, than, yeah, than, than having, you know, a room full of comics. Like you said, we're, we're the worst, uh, we're the worst gauge. Cause we'll just laugh at the most fucked up shit you say. And then an actual joke that's funny yeah. to another person. We're like, uh, we're jealous. <laughs> we're like, fuck you that you wrote that. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, like 
people don't want to say it, but like half of the half of the comics out there fucking suck and aren't really like like they're not people that you would ever want to be around and let like out unless you did comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to like, hang with them normally. You, you don't need to agree. Not a lot of people do. Um, but like personally, like of the comics that I meet, like maybe one and two, I, I actually like and enjoy the company of, and maybe like one out of like eight or nine, I'd actually want to hang out with in my free time. Um, you're, you're, you're in the, in the good standing. Cool. I was like, where's he, where am I? Yeah. Because uh, yeah, it's all good. It's not. Yeah. Like at the end of just like, yeah. And I only do podcasts with my least. Yeah. Favorite <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. Um, I agree with you on that. And I'm not just agreeing with you because you're bringing it up. Uh, I, I felt weird looking around at everybody else while someone's on stage and being like, is anyone else going to say anything? Like, are we going to give them the light a little early or like anybody else? Am I the only one? Like, and I don't, I don't feel bad saying that because the audience isn't giving you a reaction. So you should already be that self-aware to know that what you're doing is not working. And dude, that's the most (laughs) annoying thing about comics who are not very good is that like they'll bomb. And like the worst combination you could have is like bombing, uh, with confidence and like, They'll, you they'll just bomb. don't like, get they'll me. Be, they'll be doing, they'll be doing terribly, and then they think like, "All right, well, I'm not doing well. I better keep going so I can end on a good one." It's like, no, get the fuck off the stage as quickly as possible. Like, <laughs> if you got lit earlier than you thought you should have been, it wasn't on accident. Yeah, I saw a, a Sam Sam Morrell tweeted the other day. He goes, "This is how bad I just bombed. The uh, the host told me to do as much time as I want, and then lied to me after eight minutes." <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, ooh, <laughs> like you can feel that, like, ooh, <laughs> like that is that is real as fuck. Like, <laughs> I've had, I've been at a mic I, where uh, there's been, it was three people there, like the whole, like, not like there was three people and then me, and the guy that was running it, I got up there to do it, and he just left, and then it was just two people, and I was, I almost just put the mic back. I was like. Yo, you told me about this open mic, dude. Like, you just gonna walk out. So, like, <laughs> I was like, there's only two other people. Like, give me the curtain. Like, be the third guy. Come on now. You know, like, I'm, I came here. There's three people. I'm still gonna do it because it's a set, you know. In my mind, I'm like, at least if I, you know, I have some, I'll try these new stuff here right now. But yeah, like, <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, this is a loss. Like, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, at least you have the awareness to know that that's, like, an unfavorable circumstance. And, like, I mean, like, I always think that, like, when you're in that position, the the appropriate thing to do, um, barring, like, any, like, real, real, real discomfort. Like, let's say there's only three audience members and one of them is heckling you. It's, like, it's an open mic. I don't need 33% of the crowd shouting back at me. I'm out of here. Like, that's not unreasonable. Yeah. Um, Well, I like what you're saying about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, I like what you're saying. You are really looking at it. This is something that is new to me that at first I didn't look at it this way, but I would say the past six months or, well, six months before quarantine. So like nine months or whatever, a year, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was starting to look at it. Somebody said that to me was like looking at like doing co- basically cost benefit analysis on everything you're doing with comedy and saying like you just you're looking at your opportunity versus like your reward. Like what am I going in there to do? Am I going to be able to achieve that? in this current situation. Um, 
Exactly. And not thinking about, because at first, when I first started, I was like, every I'm going to do every set, I'm going to do every mic, even if nobody's there, I don't give a fuck, like, I'm out here, I'm like, I'm grinding, you know, that was my mentality at the beginning. And then you talk to some people, and at first you're kind of like, nah, that person doesn't, that person's not working hard enough, quote unquote, you know? And then you start to think mm-hmm. about it and look at it the way that you're describing it, which is kind of like, uh, you know, you're looking at your opportunity cost, basically. And uh, yeah. That is a, I think it's a really important way. I think you should at first kind of have a little bit of do everything, but as you start to get you comfortable doing it and kind of, you know what you're going up to achieve on stage, kind of looking at it with that opportunity cost angle and just uh, analyzing what you're doing a little more and what you're trying to get out of each set, as opposed to just like, I'm going to go up and fucking do, you know, do a set like, (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, like, I, one thing I do want to qualify is that, like, once you commit to doing a set, like, I, I think that at that point, like, that's where you already should avoid the cost benefit analysis. Like, if I commit to doing a set, like, no matter how it looks, I'm fucking doing it. Because um, there's a reputational risk with, with not doing it, even if the, even like if it's an open mic, if you signed up and the crowd sucks, like, like I said, barring any like real disruptions or uh, like pervasive moments of discomfort finish it out, get your time. Like you committed to doing mm-hmm. it. Um, but like, I don't know. One, one thing that, that I think can be frustrating is that in, in comedy, a lot of people expect every comic to approach it the exact same way as them. And I'm not talking about effort, like effort wise. Everyone should, I think that everyone who does comedy should be doing it with the intent of of wanting to be professional at it one day, have be full time, mm-hmm. and wanting to be one of the best ever. I th- I think that that should be everybody's mentality for anything that they take seriously, especially comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have comics um, going full circle to what you were saying with the opportunity costs um, on whether or not you take a set. The opportunity cost is a function of what else you have going on in your life outside of comedy. And you have a lot of comedians, um, and these are mainly you know the comedians that I mentioned earlier, who I'm not a huge fan of, who have like very very little going on outside of comedy. Mm-hmm. So then they pass judgment on other comics who don't hit the same mics that everyone fucking hates going to. It's like, um, or 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 say like, hey, like you're an idiot for not going to the punchline every single Sunday. It's like that's one seventh of my nights one third of like one half uh, of of your weekend you know, my yeah. weekend nights like um yeah I, I mean like if you have if you have shows all week except for sunday and then you choose to go to the punchline you're basically at that point saying that you've you like there's nothing you're doing outside of comedy mm-hmm. like, or or you're running away from those things in your life. <laughs> well yeah but well yeah we're running away from those things but like what people never think about is that like I, th- I think that at a certain point, there's diminishing marginal returns to doing comedy. I think that if comedy completely takes over your life, like I said, quick qualification, like when I'm saying this, I'm not saying that it's not my number one priority. Mm-hmm. It generally is because I want to do it full time one yeah. day. But if everything you do is always about doing open mics or doing sets and whatnot, and you don't have a balance between that and like hanging out with friends, dating or like work and whatnot, you have fewer life experiences to actually talk about on your, on when you're on stage. Because all you're doing is you want to be as interesting of a person as possible, and pigeonholing yourself into just comedy as your free activity is not a good way to do it. That makes sense, and I like your I like the way you're thinking about it. It seems like you do this kind of, 
uh, with everything. It's a very, uh, you know, methodical kind of looking at, you know, risk and reward, analyzing time and just, yeah, it's, I think that's how you should, you know, that's how you should be looking at it. You're, yeah. is that, does that play into like, uh, kind of your, like, have you always kind of been like that? Is that kind of how you, uh, you know, were you, were you like, kind of raised that way or? Um, yeah, I was, I was, I mean, I was pretty much raised that way. Um, I, I take after my dad a lot, um, who is very much like a, a cost benefit analysis type of thinker, mm-hmm. um, and, and pretty level headed. Um, I'm, I'm admittedly like way more emotional than him. Like I'm, I'm more likely, uh, to let my emotions get the better of me and make a shitty decision. He's like, just like very, uh, very calculated generally the way that he approaches something is the appropriate way to do it. Um, so, you know, I it, admiring him for like my entire childhood, like definitely had a had a significant impact on me and how how I approach things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I mean, I don't know. It was also like I, I got lucky. One of my econ professors in college um, talked like his whole class was just basically like it was more about just like decision making and how how people think, how people should think and whatnot, and uh, like bias awareness and things like that. Like, you know, you just have a number of uh, life experiences that that mold how you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at least in my opinion, I've been fortunate enough to have the right ones to to to, to create um, what I think is like a pretty good, like, you know, decision process in, in, in my mind. But honestly, I'm 100% confident that in three years I'll look or two years or one year I'll look back on where I was today and just be like yeah like you thought you were a good decision maker and then you didn't know this like everyone's constantly getting getting better and whatnot Mm -hmm. so um, it's it's never good to it's never good to think like oh like I'm such a great decision maker because chances are you're not uh, held respective to where to to what you'll be doing and how you'll be evaluating things in your life five or ten years from now same way with comedy Mm -hmm. like I feel like so many so many comedians uh, like think think they're hot shit at the end of year one, and they're like, "Oh, my material's untouchable and whatnot." And then a year later, you look back and you're like, "I'm not even doing the same jokes. Like I thought I was awesome then, and now right now I look back and I would never do the same material. I'm not proud of it when I look at the replays. So Man. what does that tell me about how I'm doing now? I think I'm doing well now, but chances are, proportionately to how I'll be doing down the road, not well at all." That so makes sense. it's all about just having the growth mindset, like having confidence in what you're doing, but then also knowing that like chances are you're going to look back on it and think, like, wow, I could do yeah. that better. <laughs> yeah. Are you, uh, are you from San Francisco? Are you from the area or do you, uh, you move there for school or? So, um, I actually am from Phoenix originally. Okay. Um, I went, uh, I went to U of A, uh, for college. Um, the, it, it, I got really, really, really lucky um, with with my out of college placement because the Bay Area and SF were like never on my radar at all. Okay. Um, I wanted to go to LA um, just because I had a lot of friends who lived out there. I visited a few times and I, I just loved the city. Um, and then my best offer out of college uh, was at a public accounting firm uh, in Silicon Valley. And I decided to go there. So I lived in Sunnyvale my first year. Then I lived in Redwood City for about a year and a half. Then I lived in Menlo Park uh, for a little over a year. Um, And then I moved to SF ultimately, uh, not this last March, but the year before. So March 2019. Yeah. Um, And I've just been here ever since. I don't know. I I love the area. Um, I think it's hilarious that it was never uh, an intention of mine to live here. Now I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. (laughs) Yeah, that is funny. Um, 
you know, yeah, it's, uh, you never know, like, hey, you never know what's around the corner, man, like, uh, for, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I am from Washington, and I, you know, I, a job opened up down here, same kind of thing, I, I didn't, I didn't even think about moving, moving out of the state, I was like, I really liked Washington, like the Pacific Northwest, I'm, I'm used to it, my buddy moved down here, got a job, and then was like, hey, man, they have an opening, I applied, and came down here, and, yeah, it's like, I, this area is awesome. <laughs> it's like, you, you didn't know, I didn't yeah, know it existed. No, you know, I didn't even know, uh, yeah, like Monterey Bay area and the Bay area itself. It's just like a beautiful place. And, uh, dude, Monterey is such a chill place to live. I'd imagine. Cause like when, uh, I've been there a few times, just like on a day trip and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, when you had me on the Selena show, uh, Gab and our friend, uh, Neil and I, we all drove down like way early just to hang out in Monterey for the mm-hmm. day. Um, and it's just like, you know, it's so nice. Like you're near the coast. The weather's awesome. There's a bunch of nice restaurants and breweries. Like, it's, yeah, it's just such a very relaxed and place. it's, it's, a it's got that community vibe, but it's not like, it's not too big. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a city necess- necessarily. It's just kind of this like small little niche town. It feels like, and then, uh, you know, there's seaside and Marina, which feels like an extension of that, but still kind of same thing. Um, yeah, it's great. And you know, once this this the smoke clears and stuff, and and the whole, well, I'm sure it'll be nice to be back outside. And and uh, I was actually trying to tap into a lot of those breweries and and uh, bars down in like Cannery Row and and things. They just ha- they have live music going seven nights a week, so it was hard to kind of you know get my foot in the door. I was trying to get like a comedy night started at one of the bars, but they were all like, I, was this pre or post? Pre. Um, okay. It was. I was going. I was calling up, talking to people, and they're just, they have, like, a nice stage, and it's a night, it's, like, it would be sick for stand-up, like, getting a good crowd in there would be amazing, and they're just, like, I mean, you have to draw more than we do for the bands, and it's, like, that's just hard to do, because, you know, music is loud, and it's, people are dancing and drinking, and then, you know, who Mm -hmm. wants to sit, it's, like, basically saying, who's gonna sit down and listen to you guys talk for, you know, five minutes at a time, and it's, like, well, I mean, what's, there's, I think there's huge opportunity for it, in Monterey, because there's just not, there's not a, I mean, there's like the Golden State Theater that would have some comedy acts coming through, but there wasn't like a, there wasn't like bar shows or wasn't like a presence. And I think that there's a young crowd down there. There's like, the universities, right? UC, UCSMB or however the fuck you say that is right there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. I hope, uh, I hope you know. Some of it's outdoor now, so I'm hoping maybe there's like a couple of breweries that have like outdoor seating. I'm gonna try to maybe get something started there. But yeah, the music scene is just it's hard to hard to penetrate. <laughs> Do you find that in the Bay yeah, Area? Well, like, is there like starting shows or have you tried to do anything like that? Have you tried to like go out and start your own or produce anything? You know, I I, I produced a couple shows uh, in Sunnyvale, um, but Dina. Do you know Dina Ware? That sounds familiar. Um, she, I think I've. She she's like basically like the uh, like the mother of like, you know, Sunnyvale comedy. Like she okay. she helps produce pretty much all of the shows in Sunnyvale, um, including including the so the Lily Max show uh, was like every Monday. Mm-hmm. And it was depending on the week, it was either a showcase or an open mic or a comedy competition. It depended on who was hosting. So Joe hosted the comedy competition. Mm-hmm. I hosted it was like a half mic, half booked showcase, which was like just such a clusterfuck to run um it, it i, I it was it was fun and like i i was able to get um like pretty good comics to come from sf because i could give them a ride and like it's good to bring like new comics to sunnyvale because like 
not a lot of comics are going to Sunnyvale, mm-hmm. um, especially on a Monday when it's a night that they could otherwise get like three open mic sets or four in SF. Um, but just like you know, dealing dealing with the signups, like it, it gave me a new found respect for open mic hosts and producers because it is such a thankless job. Everybody acts like the open mic host owes them something, which couldn't be further from the yeah. truth. Like everyone always wants you to do them a solid. It's like, dude, like if I do you and five other people a solid, I'm here for an extra 40 minutes yeah. and I have a fucking job to go to tomorrow morning. Yeah. Um, yeah I would always so feel guilty I, I asking for like a sideless spot. Like, Hey, I'm coming out of town. Yeah. It's like they tip. They definitely could just be like, okay, get here earlier then, you know, <laughs> they don't have to so do that. It's, it's, it's different like if you if you hit me up and you were like hey like i'm coming in from out of town do you think you could put me up at precisely this time for you i'd be like yeah because a we know each other fairly Mm -hmm. well b you've had me on your show and c it's not easy for you to get there but like um like comics who like live like in silicon valley or like oh like you know i'll I'll be there at this time it's like well it it starts at this time Mm -hmm. and i know you don't live far away so it's like I don't understand okay. why you think you get preferential treatment when we're all like we're also it's like we're not buds. It's like <laughs> it's like you're, you're like you're just a fun, you're just a fucking comic. Like Dude, that's that's so. <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. We're not fucking buds, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh dude, that's awesome. <laughs> that's what I was I, thinking, I think... but like when you said it, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's oh, like, with, with some exclusions, if you don't have my phone number to text me asking for a favor, you probably don't know me well enough to ask for That's a fair favor. enough to say, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, but like, the the other show we ran was actually a lot of fun. Um, so Joe and I co- co-hosted it, um, and Dina helped provide everything. She provided like the mic and the speakers and whatnot, okay. so she helped produce it. Uh, but Joe, uh, he he was like f- fucking smart about how he did this. He made like this uh, meetup group uh, for like Sunnyvale, uh, and it was like Sunnyvale comedy fans or some shit like that. Oh, cool! And he in like the first couple weeks we did it, we just got like the usual Sunnyvale crowd, and it was fine. And then the third week, his group came, and there was like thirty people. Wow! Um, and it was like the biggest biggest comedy show in Sunnyvale like that I've ever seen. It was a double-edged sword because they were like it was a meetup group, so a lot of them were there to meet new people. Mm-hmm. So they're like talking during the show. So it's like it's very counterintuitive yeah. uh, to have an event with the intent of meeting new people at a comedy show. So for for that reason, it could have been better. But I mean, off of the volume of people, it was a huge win. So like, th- those are the only shows I've ever produced. Um, so I I I can't quite appreciate the uh the difficulty of reaching out to venues because those fell on my lap um going back to what you were saying though like it's tough to to convince a venue to have comedy over music if they already have the music because like if a mediocre band goes up it just becomes background noise and people chat Mm -hmm. if a mediocre or bad comic goes up it's still the focal point of what's going on in that space and it becomes very awkward very yeah quick. so it's like any any like serviceable any serviceable musician can like can, can appropriately deliver um in front of a live crowd especially at a restaurant because they're sitting down it's like okay this guy isn't the best at guitar yeah. but you know it's not a nail on chalkboard so we can just talk yeah 
and then maybe we'll pay attention when the next band goes up. And most of the time it was... And then a bad uh, comic goes up. Most of the time it was a cover band, too, you know? So it's like... Oh, yeah. It's songs that everybody knows. It's like like just a jukebox that's uh, humans. It's like... uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard. It's like it can't go up there and do other people's material. You know, you can't just go up and do... Start doing other people's jokes and just be a, a dude. We should start. We should start that. Just, like a, just, <laughs> just like start a, doing. It's a, com- it's a it's a comedy cover show, but like we only have like people just memorize people hours can, and they just. <laughs> we like so we have two lights. We have the light for when the show, like when your set is like almost over, when you have two minutes left, and then we also have a light where it's just like you're doing very poorly. Maybe it's time to break out some Ronnie Dane. <laughs> you can start with your own material but we will give you the cover light if you start to slip you can start with your own material but you'll end up doing uh kinesins you know you'll end up screaming at everybody (laughs) yeah people just you know like the first few minutes was rough and then the eight minutes of mitch hedberg really saved it that would be a good show to do for comics like just to like that would be a fun like like the audience were mostly people that are like hu- or either huge comedy fans or comics. And then we just, yeah, you just notice when somebody like nobody can see the light and the person in the back will just give it to you and they just break right into like Rogan or something. You're like, what the heck? Like, I've heard this before. Like, <laughs> And then we film it without the context of it being a cover show. And then we get them canceled for stealing material. 100%. And we book only comics that we determine the scene no longer needs. We're just like, yeah, just do Mitch Hedberg jokes. Like, are you sure this is very taboo? Like, no, no it's, it's totally all good, fine. Dude, yeah. it's, a co- it's a comedy cover like, show. Is that camera on? And then they no. just, <laughs> yeah, they do their 10 minutes. We just send it to Bacon. We just send it to the Bay Area Comedy Network. And then. Dude, that would be. They'll be kicked out. They'll be kicked out before they can even explain the context of doing other comics jokes. That is so funny, dude. Holy shit. Gab and I did have an idea of doing a comedy show where, like, the comics, like, do each other's material, but it's, like, obviously deliberate, where it's, like... Oh, like, you're overdoing it? Like... Almost? No, well, almost, yeah, but it's, like... Like, it'd be, like, a comic who, like, who you do a lot of stuff with. So it's, like, if, if, if Joe Begley and I did a show, and he did all of my material and I did all of his. That'd be pretty funny to watch. To watch... That'd be pretty funny to watch Joe have to... Because it's not necessarily his, <laughs> like, his style is definitely different. Like, that would be really funny to watch, like, him have to try and be that person. And then... <laughs> we actually, um, it's funny, we, we've, you know, we've written together a few mm-hmm. times. And one thing we did uh, to help each other, like, just improve upon, like, newer jokes. Because um, when we both, when we both lived in the South Bay, uh, we would carpool to most of the mics together. Oh, nice. So, like... We 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 both had like our ear to the ground on on what what we were both doing, um, so you know we would give each other new tags on the fly. But one thing we did once that was actually like surprisingly fun, um, and it helped us both get new tags is um, we would just do each other's jokes to each other like how we would deliver them. Oh, um, okay. And then any like different different like you know like word choice. Um, we'd like evaluate and like, oh, like the way you said it, you said this differently. Oh, maybe that hits, maybe that hits better. That's cool. Um, that's yeah, that's cool. That's a good, it's a good, like, and then what's cool about that, I bet is you noticed, you're like, do I really say it that way? Like, or, you know, that like, there's probably something like that, you know, having Joe just say your material back and maybe he's, you know, 
maybe he's exaggerating it or whatever, but still, like that's that's interesting because they might t- it might take on a life of its own. Hearing it out of his mouth might give you this all new this new you know angle. What it generally was for both of us is that when the other per- when somebody else says your joke, there's just like a lot less fat on the joke, um, mm. which is not always ideal, but usually is. Usually, the way that I think about it is that like most jokes, ideally you couldn't cut one word and have it still make sense. Uh, whereas just there's zero fat, so you 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 have more time to deliver it slowly and focus on your delivery because there's no extra shit in the joke. Other ones, there's, you know, that's not the case where you want to like build up a lot of suspension and whatnot. It all depends on the joke. Like an anecdotal joke, you know, it's it's okay to have some fat on it to provide as much context as you need for the story. That makes sense. Um, but then like a more like matter of fact joke, you just want every word to have a very specific purpose. Um, I feel like that's something yeah. that I've heard, I've heard before. I was like a, I was watching something where they were talking about just, yeah, basically getting it down to just the nuts and bolts, like the basic. Like this is what it is. There's no extra, and that when you what you said about how hearing hearing the less fat on the joke from somebody else, what that sounds like to me is that you're getting from them what they think the I mean they know the funny part right but they're giving you just a little bit of a more of a detailed picture of what the actual funny part of that is yeah and uh, I mean I'll be honest we we did this like one or two times so it's like it, it's not something I do regularly gotcha. so it's tough to weigh in on like a, a precise like uh, value add from mm-hmm. it um, but from from what I remember because this was a while ago it's just useful hearing somebody else tell your joke in their words because it makes you more aware of a different way to deliver it because everyone is inherently biased in the way that they it communicate is unique and there could be a, a more effective way to do that outside of their unique communication mm-hmm. uh, norms and then hearing somebody else do it especially when they're being like when you're like asking them to do it their best you can see it could even just be one word I mean like one word can hugely change a joke yeah um, yeah, that's yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to ask before we go here, I I'm curious sure. about this just from from kind of a it's more of a technical perspective. I noticed that I notice mm-hmm. you know in social media and kind of the group, the comedians of the Bay Area, you seem to be one of the people that is constantly or not constantly, but was consistently having, you know, new content out on Instagram or new content out on TikTok or new content out, like new videos, new joke clips. And I'm kind of just curious about, you know, are were you the one kind of, did you have somebody helping you with that? Or were you kind of just, was that all you doing it? Like setting up your camera before every set? Like, uh, I'm kind of just curious about that. Cause you know, a lot of people, like I've recently, um, you know, before, right before quarantine was over, I was remembering to do that more and trying to get more video because um, I was just kind of recording myself to listen back on my phone and I was like this isn't you know did you kind of like look at it like I should be sharing more of this or what kind of how did you get to be just it seems like you have a lot of joke clips and you were posting new ones and it was different sets and stuff and so I've um, I've, I've been a, a, a huge uh, advocate for filming every set since day one um, originally um, and this like this literally goes back to like my first open mic set and the four following it every single set filmed it every time um because wow. well back back then it, it was not it wasn't like a nice camera or anything it was 
uh, my phone tilted against a pint glass. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> nice. So it's like, you know, re- repurposing my beer as a tripod while I'm on yeah. stage, um, which the the only purpose for that was was never at the time was never to post it. Um, the reason for that was the way that I do open mics. Um, I, I, I don't write out jokes until I've had the opportunity to say them organically. Um, when I think of a funny premise for a joke, I, I just text it to myself so I don't lose it. Um, and then before I go up at open mics, I'll just run through the log of texts myself and write down just like a word or two to remind me of, of which ones I want to do. And then I'll riff on them. And generally my idea is on the open mics, like I mentioned earlier, I do three or four every Monday, you know, when the world's not on fire. Um, and I'll, I'll pick the, the five minutes of new, of new stuff I want to try. 80% of it's going to be fucking garbage. Um, but the other 20%, I'm going to deliver a little bit differently each time. I'm going to re- I, I rewatch the video. I see what worked, what didn't. And then once I've had the opportunity to riff on it organically, so it's like most true to like just like my spontaneous way of saying that joke and what I think is funny about mm-hmm. it. I take the best, the best parts of each film and then I write it out from there. So that was, the, that was my original intent in filming every show to begin with. Okay. Then... I wanted to start posting stuff on Instagram uh, once I was actually getting good enough where I was doing, you know, comedy, comedy clubs every now and mm-hmm. then or really good bar shows. Um, I wish I brought a camera to your show because you have a fucking unbelievably good. Room. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I... Like the the audience that you get, like once once things are back, like I would love the opportunity uh, to come and do like a, a big set and film it because you have the fucking best audience. Nice, like Gab, Gab and I were talking about that where like, you know, Selena, Salinas is a long drive uh, and it's a Saturday too. So there's like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's four hours of a Saturday plus showtime, yeah. <laughs> but you're like, you're, you're the, I think you're the only one who could run a show. That's, that's, that's worth every fucking minute of that. Thank drive. you, dude. Um, I appreciate that. It means a lot. So <clears throat> yeah, of course. Um, so now I, I I want to like during COVID the the first few months there was nothing I could do to help my comedy other than writing new jokes and trying to build the online presence. So fortunately for me, I filmed a set that I did at the Punchline in the very beginning of March. I hosted the show and I did 15 minutes to open it nice. up, um, and I filmed it on my phone and my friend's camera. My friend wasn't there, and I set up the camera wrong and it was aimed 10 feet to the right of where i was on stage which sucked because it was a great like the best set i've ever had and the 4k camera <laughs> it's just like off to the corner moment <laughs> yeah no it's just like occasionally you saw my left arm uh, but <laughs> shit <laughs> like it was just it was just audio a few people's shadows from the audience and my occasional left arm um but as a backup i i wanted to have two angles and pan between mm-hmm. both of them uh, which was, you know, ambitious, but I'm glad I did it because one of the cameras failed and then I just got some shitty quality on my phone. Um, and then I, uh, I subtitled it. Um, I learned how to do that in Final Cut, which, nice. you know, four, four or five hour learning curve, but after that, pretty easy to use. Yeah. Highly recommend. Um, and I actually bought a, a camera a few days after the punchline, which is terrible timing for two reasons. One, would have been nice to have it there. And then two... It was three days before 
no shows for four yeah. months. So I buy a brand new camera only to not be able to put it to use for take some sweet really pics or time. something. Yeah. <laughs> so now, um, now, like when I when I do a show, it, it, it depends on the the quality of the show, how big the audience is going to be, how long my set's going to be, things like that. The material I intend to do, mm-hmm. um, and as long as all of that aligns appropriately, I bring uh, my camera and I have a tripod and everything. But it, it's it's a pretty expensive camera, so I don't want like I don't want to run the risk of it being stolen or, or breaking unnecessarily. So if it's a if it's a weaker show, I don't bring it. Open mic, I would never. Yeah. Um, open mic in a weaker show, I just bring my phone. Um, Makes sense. So yeah, the the main intent between filming everything is for nice shows where I bring the camera, getting content. Yeah, online. it seems like you just kind of uh, you were doing it initially for 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 yourself, but you seem to realize that there's some you know there's some like useful there's some substance here that I can actually you know post and get some get, get start to build a following, start to get those people looking at my page kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I posted all of my jokes on tic, on TikTok, um, and I got like I got up to like thirty two thousand followers, geez, yeah. but like I've completely plateaued because I don't have any like new stuff to post, um, and it's easy to lose momentum on it. And like for a while, I felt like oh, it's the coolest thing, like, and like it's cool reading some comments, like where you know some fucking kids are like, you should have a Netflix special, and it's like you're twelve years old, you don't know how the comedy industry yeah, yeah. works. I can't get <laughs> you're like, that thanks, at little all guy, right but now. not yeah. that I'd be ready for it. Yeah. Um, so. Like it, it's cool. Like it's encouraging. There, there's a sense of validation from it. But as far as like, it's actually like a, a, any degree to which it advances my comedy career is is nominal. You know, it's it, n- no doors are going to get open because I have thirty two thousand followers on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the only thing, like one thing that's been really nice about having all my content on Instagram is when I meet new people, and they like my friends say I'm a comedian. Um, they always, you know, the first question is always tell me a joke, which oh, is horrible. the Hate best answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, the best, the best, I mean, the answer I always give is, is just like, I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. And I'll say it like, I'll say like, I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. And then they find that, oh, he is funny. Uh, like the way I mm-hmm. say it, but then they're like, no, really tell me a joke. I'm like, no, really, it really does not work. <laughs> <laughs> the joke, like the jokes that are funny, like person to person are like priest and a rabbi or knock, knock jokes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, jokes that are funny on stage are like stories yeah. and it just doesn't work. So then like I can just tell them like, you know, when we're done hanging out, go on my Instagram and look at the videos. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go check it that's out. The, you, that's the only way. That's cool. Yeah. If you wanna exactly, if you wanna yeah. see some stuff, here here I am on Instagram or TikTok or Speaking of which, uh for all you for all you sick listeners who are still uh Still, still listen to uh, the sound of my voice. Uh, Zach Lord Comedy on Instagram. <laughs> I, I was just about to ask clips. you to plug all your plug all your things here before we before we wrap it up. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, pretty much every social media account that I have is uh, Zach Lord Comedy, all one word: Z A C H L O R D Comedy. Uh, a lot of clips on on Instagram, more on TikTok. Uh, once comedy is you know back to normal, I'm gonna aim to post more stuff on YouTube, but nice. I don't want too much of my stuff uh, public on YouTube until uh, there's more new material to get out gotcha. there. Gotcha. That's cool, man. And yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to do this today. This has been a really cool conversation. Uh, I uh, Yeah, I've uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. I'm glad I did. Um, <clears throat> uh, thanks for being patient. It took us a few weeks to find Oh, no worries at all, dude. I uh, It's weird, like starting to do a podcast and having like a, a rotation and trying to have a guest every week. There's like this, there becomes like this, uh, this like bubble of people 
that you're just kind of always trying to there's just like this revolving schedule kind of and so uh mm-hmm. yeah it hasn't it yeah there's no worries at all and uh yeah i'm glad that we got to do this and sit down and um i'll definitely uh you know when stuff gets back and going again and salinas is uh, they actually they had a beer garden before the fire and i was talk- talking to them about doing some kind of outdoor thing uh, in the beer garden it's in the back where they had that parking lot in the back they kind of built out like okay. a little like fenced in area with tables and chairs so hopefully they get back to me and, you know, once this, the air quality is a little better, I'm looking to do some outdoor stuff. Definitely keep you in mind. And, uh, yeah, dude, thanks again for doing this today. Yeah, of course. Uh, one more time, uh, just just want to thank you again for having me on on the podcast. And thanks again for having me and uh, Gab on the show way back. Yeah, dude. Um, it, is, it is without a doubt one of, if not the best uh, bar shows that I've done. Thank you. Uh, so you should, be, you should be really proud of uh, how well you've run that show. And, I just hope that uh, the the COVID eruption is temporary and we get that show back as soon as it's over. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please make sure to like and subscribe on any platform you're on right now and head over to Instagram or Facebook. Give the page at I'm Getting There Pod a follow to continue to stay updated on this. We'll see you next time.